Today, I have the privilege of interviewing Donna Patani. Donna is an IP lawyer based in Cairns in far north Queensland, Australia. I've had the privilege of working with Donna, and Donna is not only competent, but so much fun to work with. Please enjoy my conversation with Donna Patani. You know, and I, thought, <laughs> I thought God doesn't want me to yeah. do this, yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. want this podcast yeah. to exist. Anyway, I solved it, which kind of is a good segue into that we do. So, so welcome to the podcast, Donna. Uh, Thanks for having me. Thank you for 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 doing this, and uh, and you seem you've survived uh, Jasper, so that's wonderful. Um, why don't we? Um, yes. uh, what, tell us about that, and then I'll get you to introduce yourself. Just tell us as a as a far north Queenslander um, what's been happening for you over the last few week or so. And it a little bit depends on where in Far North Queensland you are and perhaps if you're watching social media or the news. Um, my place, personally, wasn't impacted either time. We do have a seasonal creek out the back of the um, property, which is usually just full of leaves, dried leaves. It trickled for a bit during the cyclone and then absolutely raged this week when we had all the flooding um, but has subsided. There's two water basins near my place and my mum's place that was full mm-hmm. um, with quite expectedly dudes and their dogs having a good time in the water. <laughs> uh, most of that has now subsided, um, but there's quite a few people displaced. So their houses were flooded in some of the suburbs, like Placid, um, Holloway's Beach. So there's a bit of couch surfing going on for those people. Oh, but okay. the, the community is really good. There's groups set up on Facebook, for people to bring in donations of food or clothing, um, people offering to help, you know, yeah. squeegee out mud and those kinds of things. So uh, we've very quickly switched on to fix it sort of right. mode and that's happening. Yeah. I've never seen the airport flood before like that. So the airport all but the runway and the terminals was underwater, which is very unusual. But it's back operational today as well. So Okay, yeah. fantastic. All right, well, put your Donna, Donna Patain hat on now and tell us who are you. Uh, introduce yourself to the audience of four that are probably sitting to this right now <laughs> mind you mind you you've got a ch- you've got a chance to be the i think the the biggest one we've had where we've had 36 listeners so there's your there's your hurdle i'd let you know if you beat it <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. one of my favorite podcasts refers to their crowd as just listener like just one just listener <laughs> so right. hi listener my, my name is Jonathan my, my mum <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, my mum. Listeners. Okay, we've got two. Awesome. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I'm Donna Patani. I'm based in Cairns and I'm an IP lawyer, uh, almost entirely by accident. So I finished high school and when you finish high school, you go to university. So I enrolled to do actually science and education in university. And then I got my OP school, which was, you know, you're like your ATA. Um, and did all right and then I got to the first week of science and I was like oh no this is actually too detailed into science and switched to something that sounded harder but also where I could just be indoors and clean and perhaps wear fabulous shoes so lore it was I hedged my bets by doing my um a double in psychology as well which uh despite what my husband might say I do not use to manipulate uh that's what came to mind for me to be honest (laughs) (laughs) And then I, I tried my way through the degree, finished uh, halfway through my last year, I got some interviews and got a job. So that was nice to have a job to go into before you've even graduated. Uh, started in that firm. And at that stage, uh, you had to be an article clerk for two years. So I was an article clerk. 
my first year in insolvency and it was awful. <laughs> and I, by halfway through, I was Googling, I've made a mistake. How do I mid-year entry go back and do education? This is Awful. <laughs> uh, fortunately, I was too late for mid-year entry, so finished the year and then the second year did it in commercial and property, which was vastly different. Mm -hmm. Just everyone's attitude is different. We're not fighting. We're doing deals. So that was much better. Once I got admitted, uh, someone else had left the firm and uh, a trademark matter came in, so I took it and fixed it. It was a problem. And then the next one came in and I took it and fixed that. And then sort of trickled in, I started getting involved in them and uh, fixing things or getting things underway. And then decided it was probably a little bit sort of convenient timing because as I was hitting sort of stride, so it tends to take sort of five years to hit stride sure. in law, probably at any job. And um, by the time I was hitting that point, the startup ecosystem in Cairns was starting to build. So there were some organisations in Cairns providing support services to innovators and founders. And I got involved with them. Uh, and just organically, I started to get involved in advising on IP, understanding the broader types of IP and understanding strategy around how you deal with those things. And had a good time because everyone's really excited about what they're working on and like it's just a fun time <laughs> so it was really good I then decided that so I uh went on maternity leave with my first child in 2014 and she was a really good sleeper and I thought I'm really bored <laughs> I might do some postgrad so I rolled in UTS to do my postgrad study in IP law largely to get registered as a trademarks attorney, but also just to skill up because there was no one locally to provide any sort of mentoring or yep. supervision. <laughs> I was a little bit winging it. <clears throat> Finished uh, the subjects I needed to do two weeks before my second child was born, uh, by which it was way too bananas <laughs> to be doing anything external, just work and parent uh, and get through those early years when it's absolute bananas. And I had a third, which I say to many people is one too many, but anyway, uh, and by the time sort of they got up to almost school or kindy age and you start to feel on top of your life again, um, the pandemic hit. And during that time, I decided, I think getting sent home to work from home for a while made me reassess where my priorities lay. And it was actually really good to be at home and to better manage yep. everything that one needs to do. Uh, so resigned from the firm I had been at for a really long time, 16 years and opened my own firm, Drupal Legal, and also got involved though in the previous program called Accelerating Commercialization. Uh, all of which, and still to this day, things involving dealing with founders and entrepreneurs and business owners to protect and strategize IP and make things and get them going big and deliberately, as much as possible, because I'm based regionally, trying to make sure that the support I provide is for regional founders. I yep. wanna make sure that I give them access without sending them to the big city because if they go to the big city we don't see them again <laughs> yeah sure sure so so there's a few things there um the, the so tell us maybe tell us a little bit about the because there's two things going on for me with you aside from the fact that i work with you and i know you and i reckon you're one of the better hands around and i have to say that in all sincerity um let's talk the, so you've got your own venture anyway it's your business right so you're starting up a business and there's yeah. an entrepreneurial element to that even though it's you know self-employment to, to a degree it could who knows what it'll become it could mm. become a firm you know with you know lots of people in the future plus you're also dealing with an ecosystem of 
people who are dealing in mitig- you know mitigating risks that they've created for themselves right so <laughs> yeah. maybe we, we so what what should my impression or the average person's impression be um, uh, with regards to the entrepreneurial landscape in far north Queensland because obviously there's two states there's far north Queensland and there's Queensland um, or southern Queensland yes. yeah for sure and there are some similarities and obviously some differences so as just the sort of startup ecosystems have grown in Australia ours has grown too just almost like the property market a little behind the capitals because mm-hmm. just numbers generally numbers um but we do have now some really good organizations in particular launch yep which is based in cairns but then there's smart precinct and in towns all split spaces in Mackay. so they've got places and go to people and hot desks and things like that that, that founders can use as a starting point because I think globally, those first few days where it's just you trying to work out if an idea has got legs is very much about trying to trying to guess. Yep. And really, you can't do it by guessing everything. You you traverse those first few issues by talking about it and having support, and just even sometimes having a founder say something out loud. You can see them in their mind going like, "Oh God, I think I've answered my own question because I had to say it out loud." Right. So having somewhere to go for those kinds of things. We've also had some um, changes in the local university, James Cook University up here, now has a dedicated building, which actually opened like peak COVID, uh, very funky building, heaps of space, a whole maker space with, you know, 3D printers, physically some of the things that people need. So all of that started. There's a new person in charge there who's running amazing programs that open up their own uh, queen- chapter of the Queensland AI hub. So we've actually got bodies on the ground in sort of the regional cities that founders can go to to get support, even if it's just bouncing ideas or if it's programming that's more specifically for incubators or whatnot for them to start. And so all of that has been growing basically over the last 10 years, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's getting to a nice point now where it's very clear who to go to for what and how to access those things. Oh. All great stuff for founders in our region. And does it does the ecosystem, so it, would it be fair to assume that it's mostly ag tech or, you know, those sorts of ventures that are popping out? Are you, are you, are you getting, you know, fintech businesses and, you know, uh, you know robotic businesses? What, what sort of businesses are popping up in the region? Mm, a nice spread. And I think that's why I enjoy this space so much because I get bored really easily. So I want to chop and change. I'm surprised you're not I'm bored already about. in the conversation because I, I, I'm not. I, I'm not allowed to talk that much. I got to listen. I'm not used to it. So please, if you do get bored, I don't know. You know, have a coffee or something. <laughs> I've got my daily diet coke. I'm. I'm oh go. yes, of course. So, I think I'm still on the hook for a, a slab there at some point. You, yeah, you owe me for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so a, a spread. There is certainly a focus on ag-related solutions, physical and technical, um, because of the tableland uh, system that's west of Cairns. So a lot of farming up that way, all the way down sort of central Queensland, a lot of farming work, uh, a lot of tourism-related work, but mm-hmm. also in amongst that, things that are very specific to industries. Uh, a lot of sort of physical outdoorsy type things there is a fair chunk of it that's app related so apps for certain types of things a lot of innovation in uh, new ideas new products new you know things getting thrown around that are app related or web app related physically largely related to either tourism or the reef so Mm -hmm. 
quite a bit going on in terms of reef restoration uh, and the equipment that's used for cleaning boats in the reef and things like that. Gotcha. And, which makes sense for where we are. Right. Okay. Let's let's get let's get something out of the way. Um, and and look, if you disagree, tell me. I think people IP is the most misunderstood part of entrepreneurial business. Agree? Do we? Agree? Yes. Um, Two hands up. Yes, yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I do believe that because, you know, I, I have, you know, more experience than most and reasonably good education and I still scratch my head a little bit. So, and I, <laughs> so, so why don't we do for entrepreneurs, anybody with an idea, you just, so let's just say they're, they're at ideas, they're tinkering in the garage or the, the office with something. <laughs> what is 101 IP that you want to say to them? Mm. And I, it's probably handy to have this recorded, the regularity with which I have the same yeah. sort of... You can refer to this then. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll send just, them through the podcast. I'll, I'll, tell you, you, I'll tell you what minute we're, we're in and you can say to them, just skip everything <laughs> but just listen to, you know, 15 minutes to 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, go, yeah, yeah. Go, they, go. they circle back. Yes, because perhaps, I don't know where it's come from, but I think... Perhaps some of it is because people traditionally think IP equals patent mm -hmm. and that there is no other IP and IP is patent. Right. And can you patent your thing? And if you can't patent your thing, it's a whole disaster. And if you can, then great, you've got IP because you have a patent. Um, that's obviously not the case. Patents are one of the types of IP that are available. And so when I'm talking to a, a founder or a person on day one quite often, or if I'm doing a presentation, I'll say to them, okay, so IP is one of seven different types of rights at law. So IP is the umbrella term that covers patents, trademarks, designs, copyright, confidential information, plant breeders' rights, and circuit lat rights. That's it. So your IP, what you've got is one of those seven types of rights at law. Then let's go through them. What are they and which ones have you got or which ones could we leverage to make sure we're protecting the value proposition that you're trying to commercialize? So typically a patent is for a physical widget. Usually there's been a fair bit of litigation recently about how we get computer methods and software to be patented. That's a whole other thing. Uh, generally a patent is for a physical widget. So if you have invented a mousetrap or a lawnmower or some physical a, a element, perhaps trap? a patent. A laser mousetrap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, I don't know if the fact is correct, but at some point someone said there's 4,500 different mousetraps in the patent register, which <laughs> seems excessive. <laughs> anyway, so patents for physical items. Oh, to be one, a mouse. Oh, to be a mouse with everyone out to get you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just die already. Yeah. Uh, then there's trademarks. So I, I think it's a Spider-Man movie that says, like, everyone gets one. So I say to everyone, everyone gets one and it's your trademark. Mm. So what is it that's your branding device or name or logo that you're using to identify your business in the marketplace? That's your trademark. And usually that then kicks off a whole rant about trademarks versus business names, but let's park that for now. Then there's designs. Designs is a registration system for something that looks unique, but perhaps doesn't necessarily have the complexity of an invention that might be suitable for a patent registration. So a design registration I've done in the past for a piece of fishing equipment. Mm -hmm. So because it was fairly sort of Normal. rudimentary in its yep. movement, mm -hmm. uh, it still had a unique look and the way that certain elements were on the unique look made it more effective. But a design registration is still kind of the poor cousin to patent registration because 
and often gets forgotten. But it's still a very useful option. It's a much easier and quicker process, so certainly one that should be considered. Then there's copyright. So copyright in Australia is automatic and free and will protect the material manifestation of an idea. So not necessarily the idea of a drawing of a fish, but when you actually put pen or pencil to paper and what that looks like. But it doesn't just cover traditional painted art. It also covers software, your user interface, uh, choreography, films, music. Uh, so there's a lot in that space. Well, that even an essay, I, I would imagine you write an essay, it's your copyright. Yep. And you don't have yep. to claim the circle or see with a you know, circle around it or, you know, under, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, just no, automatic and free in Australia. I mean, I always tell people to do that anyway um, because it's a bit of a deterrent because mm -hmm. it says someone knows that they've got a right in this and that's the name of the someone who will come for you if you take it. So, so while, I, <laughs> while we're on it, let me just quickly ask you on that, there was something I bumped into called the Digital Millennium, Millennium Copyright Act, the legal framework established to safeguard digital content. Is that Where does that get picked up by? Or have you not yeah, heard of it? So that's, yeah, that's US legislation. So part of sort of supporting the different types of IP, in particular copyright and um, trademarks, there are processes such as that one and through most social media sites that you can use to report and have breaches of your IP taken down. So that's one of those, right. um, which is a process or it's a requirement for sites that host user-generated content to have a process for the owner of something that's protected by IP to report it, to have it taken down. Right. So, so I pick up Facebook one of your one of your essays, YouTube. you know, you've written some content, I make it my own, I put my own name on it, I put it up on wherever and they go and then trigger. Yeah, yeah. Actually, my lawyer brain has been going slightly crazy the last few days because everyone's just screenshotting all of the flood pictures. We're oh, <laughs> all just getting screenshotted and shared and there's there's no attribution. <laughs> there's just blatant copying. Right. <laughs> Though I did see one photographer, obviously was aware of the issue and had put a watermark on her photos and her photos are like these phenomenal drone pictures of like the airport and surrounding areas. Like there are amazing photos, which is why I think people want to share them. But that people should be using the organic sharing methods through Facebook and Instagram, like the share button. Yeah. So that the source goes with right. the photograph as opposed to shotting the screen. But yeah, every time you, you do a screenshot on your phone, you've now made a copy of something that's yeah. probably protected by copyright. Yeah, mm. right, right. So technically they could go through and report all of those that have screenshots because yeah. they're a yeah, yeah, unauthorized yeah. copy. Yeah, but I, mm. I guess I guess if they're trying to do it for commercial gain of their, their yeah, yeah. Uh, and to a certain extent, I suppose because particularly the one that's got the watermark on it, everyone who's seeing that can see the watermark and know who's created Brandy. the photo. Right. Yeah, yeah. Technically, anyway, that was a whole other thing that over the last few days I've been like, oh god, we're just going at absolutely bananas with the copyright yep. infringement. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so, yeah, so, 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 okay, so that's that, patents, designs, yep. trademarks, copyright, then there's confidential information, mm -hmm. which is, look, technically not property, but let's not get trade, into is that. Is that trade secrets? Sort of trade secrets fits? My process, yeah. not telling anybody how I butter my bread. Yeah, yeah. And for those in AI, your data set. If you've created your own data set that AI is training off, that's probably your trade secrets. If you've got a secret method for how to make a thing or cook a thing or whatnot, you're the KFC, 11 Herbs and Spices. I don't know what's in this Diet Coke, but mm -hmm. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. All that's trade secrets. One of the benefits is trade secrets is you control it by good contracting and access. Right. Prevention is better than cure. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tooth 
toothpaste tube after you squeeze it out. But if you do that well, your secret can last forever. So it's not like some of the other types of IP where they can expire. So mm. really valuable one that sometimes gets forgotten. Uh, then plant breeders' rights for new and stable varieties of plants. So there's a bit of that on the tablelands. Oh, that's a separate category. Oh, is that under trade secrets yeah. as well? That's no, so it's a, that's the next category, yeah, okay. and it's a registrable right as well because there's a full process of yeah. verifying that your new variety is stable. And I think I saw a movie on this where Monsanto or something where, where some, some genetically modified wheat or some sort of grain blew off into another field and then inadvertently got picked up. And then they they took the, they took the the farmer to to court because he unknowingly mm-hmm. like wow <laughs> Jesus yeah how yeah. tricky is that <laughs> so yeah so plant breeders rights I always put on the other hand so the five main ones on yeah. you know patents trademarks designs copyright confidential information and then on the other hand yes. the even lesser known cousins the plant breeders rights and then circuit layout rights for how a computer chip looks where you've laid out the different parts of the circuit. So oh, okay. not a whole lot of activity with those, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> which sure. is why I usually mention them and then we talk about the others because they're more common. So look, hmm. I've got to ask you, so I reckon there's still an elephant in the room in this because I bump into this conversation all the time. Where does an idea sit? So an idea, furniture, of, well, so there's furniture of the brain, so there's knowledge that I've got because I do things. That's one area hmm. which I think people confuse with IP. And then mm-hmm. there's, I've got this amazing idea for a thing. My girlfriend has got this thing, which I think is... <laughs> my husband. <laughs> it's, it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. I love it dearly, but it's insane. <laughs> she considers yeah. it yeah. Her, her thing. <laughs> yeah. And I, so I, at I, one point I, I did a presentation, I think earlier this year perhaps, uh, and at some point had, I think I had the same question. And so my answer was there's no IP in, in idea. And there was an audible like <gasps> in the room. <laughs> oh, really? People going like they were surprised. Get, get out! <laughs> yeah, I have so the crest. The idea itself. No, it's like basically no uh, because it's just the idea. Yeah, so I use when I'm in mixed company, or when I'm not in mixed company, I'll say ideas are like a part of the body where things come out of. Everyone's got one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, because the value is in the implementation. That's right. This episode is sponsored by 3P Legal. I've been a customer of Peter North as my lawyer and now 3P Legal for over a decade. Peter and his team are friendly and approachable, which takes the stress out of having to navigate the complexities of legal business matters. Whether starting a business, buying or selling a business, handling contracts or estate planning, their personalised attention and quality of work is second to none. Find Peter and his team at www.3pcorp.com.au or email pnorth at 3plegal.com.au if you need commercial or personal legal services, particularly if you're a startup. And how do you implement? And that's where the detail and the actual material elements come about and and that can occur in many different ways because an idea can be implemented in many different ways and by many different people and not all of those will be successful in fact most of them won't be probably the best example of sort of where that line might be um was some litigation from the uk years ago now um so i'm probably rusty on the details but um in relation to uh what's the tv show american idol it was american idol uk idol and there was another show that was very similar to that anyway so the creator of one of the shows had gone to pitch it 
to a production company and had not just I've got an idea for a show where we get randoms come up and sing and then we vote. That's just an idea. There's so much missing. It mm. can't be can't be be uh, implemented immediately. Whereas this one was fully thought out, all of the details and the steps and the types Documented. of people and the processes, yeah, were set out in in sort of enough detail to be capable of immediate implementation. Right. So it was no longer an idea; it was a plan, sort of. <clears throat> and that had ticked over into no, there is something there that can be protected, and you guys need to be stopped from using right. the plan the plan not the idea so it's not until you really tick over into full detailed plan that can be implemented that i think probably your first run then is it's confidential information um, before it turns into something beyond that but until it's been developed that much and it's purely idea stage like when people throw around ideas you know at the dinner table or whatnot there's no ip in it there's no no, that's right. So somebody can leave the dinner table, go off and do it, and you know you haven't got a lot to haven't got a lick to stand yeah. on, sort of thing. There's, yeah. the, there is so so the furniture of the mind piece. So um, which is another thing that I bumped into occasionally, where people want to understand, and I'm not the guy to really give them too much. I'm going to give them a bit of a rough idea, but I think you'd be a better place to do it. So they say, okay, uh, I worked for Schnurdburglar, and I know how to butter bread. Uh, because I worked for Schnurdburgler, I left just with the clothes on my back and, you know, the keys to my car. Um, I go yeah. home and I ride out, had a butter bread, and now I go to my new employer and I can butter bread. Mm-hmm. Where, where does that fit within the, I guess, the? how do you look at that as an IP lawyer? Yeah, typically with a friend who's an employment lawyer, <laughs> uh, because... It's a matter of there'll be things that you've learned in how to do your trade or how to how to do be a lawyer or whatnot. And once you leave an employer, there's a certain amount of that. So generally, the law will say you can't be prevented from implementing the trade that you know. So if you know how to build houses, you can go build houses. Sure, yeah, that's sure. just the trade you have learned. But it's in bringing over too much of the detail or what might be trade secrets or confidential confidential information of the employer that I think gets into trouble land. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's, so I suppose, so I left a firm and have my knowledge on how I craft plans for trademark applications or what I need to do in order to respond to a refusal of a trademark application. Or the templates. Uh, That's all I've got. I don't have the template because that's their template. Right. So I've got to go from a blank piece of paper (laughs) to do it again. And it won't look the same because I'll have my own style uh, and I haven't taken it. So I, you know. That's not an issue, but I've got enough of the trade within my head that I know essentially I know I need to talk about this and then I need to talk about that and I need evidence for this and I need this kind of evidence for that. Uh, so just broadly knowing how to do my trade is not okay. the issue if you're taking things. All right. Well, let's dig, dig into this a little bit more because I bumped into a situation which I thought was, which, which I doubt is unique to me, but I think people bump into all the time. And so I was contracted to a company, I won't say who, and um, I was told to head up a new business division that did, that was called X. It was, sorry, Elon, not your X, my X. (laughs) And not my XX, (laughs) you're welcome to my XX. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's called Y. (laughs) Let's call it Y, It's the name of one of his kids, I think. Um, So, so I was told... Uh, we want you to go and set up this, you know, we've registered this domain name and, you know, it's clear what this does um, and we want you to go and do 
this particular type of business and and say you know uh, you know and I looked at that particular type of business and I thought that is never going to work completely never going to work so even though the name implies go that way I mm-hmm. came up with a completely different thing in a completely different way to do a business that had used some of the technology that they wanted to use which was not ours um and uh and i went in a different direction i told them that's what i wanted to do they wanted me to do this so they were paying me to do the first thing and i Mm -hmm. convinced them that that's not a good idea i've come up with a new innovative way to solve a problem that nobody knew or never really thought about and it became i'm just going to say i said it's going to take five years we we took about six months building it i used the resources of the business to build it but this was and I was a contractor, and I was on a handshake for twenty percent of the take. Right? They said if this awesome. if this flies, twenty percent of the take. Didn't get it on paper, so you can imagine how that turned out. <laughs> and uh, so the business started, and slowly, slowly, now it does a uh, quarter of a million dollars in gross profit per month, uh, and growing. Right? Yeah! Wow! Yeah. So, and um, uh, they paid out the twenty percent over twelve months back then which was a trivial amount of money, but the business yeah. did. And I had said it would go for five years. How would you yeah. treat it? So, so there's, a, there's, a, there's an, um, a novel idea that's been implemented outside the scope of my work. So if you tell me to go and dig those holes, I'll dig those holes. If you can tell me to go and manage that business and set up that business this way, you're, you're, you're going to sell sandwiches and you're going to butter bread, I'll go off and do that. Well, I'm just doing my job. You pay me for my job. But they didn't pay me for my job. I did something different because the ultimate outcome is make a profit for the business using the technology that, we, that we've got at hand. How do you deal yeah. with that? From an, so who, who owns that? Yeah, and so it usually ends up being a conversation between an IP lawyer and employment lawyer mm. um, because the first question, whenever I'm looking at a potential issue, uh, the first thing I do is look backwards. So let's look backwards to see were there terms in place? What was the understanding? Is there any paper trail there? If there's none, what are the emails? What's perhaps the verbal agreement? Because typically employees, contractors, sometimes a bit different, don't have a duty to invent mm. things. They've mm. got duties that they have to do. Is there a list of duties? Great. And, you know, you end up with a differing position depending on the level of paper trail looking backwards to sort of guide where we're currently at. And if there's no answer in any of that, <laughs> then what's the understanding? of who's going to do what with what and then factually whose equipment and time and resources did we use. So there'd be a bit of unravelling to do there that I'd probably get the employment guys to look at in terms of what was the relationship, what the understanding, what were the obligations, and therefore where's all that land before we start looking forward in terms of, okay, if that's where we land, let's look forward and, and see how we or how we can guess or argue the parties presumed that things would happen from the point we've landed looking forward. Is that 20% as it increases forevermore? Yep. Is it something else? What's reasonable? So yep. You kind of have to do both. Look back <laughs> first to work out where your paper trail is or your cookie crumbs, if you need to put a cookie crumb <laughs> plan together, get you to a certain point and then argue the future based from that. Yeah. It's, um, it, mm. it's interesting. It is a little bit of muddy water. I actually went and got some legal mm. advice. Um, at the time, and I think it was an employment guy, so mm. it wasn't really considered an IP thing. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> and apparently, apparently, and you might find this interesting. Uh, uh, 
that there was a, some, a, some historical uh, precedent on this. So apparently yeah. there was uh, – so you know retread tires? Um, there was a guy who worked for a, a company, you know, small operator, who retreaded tires. And back in those days, they had basically a stick with some nails through. They'd get the old tires. They would recover them, and then they would scrape through the tread with these wires mm-hmm. – and they would retread them. It was a very manual. So this was a long time ago. Very manual process. So this guy's gone to his employer and he said, can I come over on the weekend? I'm a bit of an engineer. I want to tinker up something. You know, I can produce 100 tyres a day, um, you know, by mm. hand. But I reckon I can build a machine that can do X. So he's come back. Yep. And he's made this machine. And I don't know, say it was double or triple what they could produce. Yep. So the, the employee said, oh, this is fantastic. So he's gone off and patented what he did to set up a, a business that can sell the machine. And the employer went, whoa, <laughs> uh-huh. this is mine. You use well my equipment, da, 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 and uh, he lost. So mm-hmm. the way apparently, and you probably do your own research if you ever can be bothered, um, was that the law looked at it or the, the judge looked at it from the perspective, well, you're, you get paid to retread tires. You don't get paid to innovate. The, the payment that you get is pretty clear. And it's kind of t- touching on what you said. What was the understanding? Yeah. So he's asked for a favour. Yes, he's used the equipment. Um, uh, he's gonna, the, the employer is going to benefit from that equipment now. So he's got to increase productivity um, because he's got this machine before the patents were issued. All right? Yep. Um, and, uh, but this guy was unencumbered to be able to go off and commercialise his innova- innovation. Mm-hmm. So... So the moral of the story is paper trail. Paper trail. <laughs> Preferably a paper trail. Yep. If you're already in the thick of it, what does your employment agreement say in terms of your actual duties and anything about IP? Mm. <laughs> uh, and if it's if it's silent or or not helpful, perhaps then as much as you can extract yourself from the workplace, the work resources, um, those kinds of things, which is often hard because typically. The idea or the innovation is is directly related to the job you're doing. Absolutely, you understand the job you're doing, and that's that makes a lot of sense, right? I always say to founders, if you're solving a problem that's in the industry, like that's great <laughs> because you understand the problem, sure, uh, and understand how it needs to happen to make it work. So, yeah, certainly, paper trail. <laughs> yeah, and if you get an opportunity to do something, either get paid extra or yeah, extra paper trail to get paid extra for creating new IP for the employer yep. or a paper trail that says, sure, tinker on your weekend in your garage and it's all yours. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I guess, I guess yeah. the question is sometimes um, inevitably you, you do need equipment uh, if you're going to do something. But, but in tech, sometimes you just need uh, access to, say, developers or you need to, people to talk to. So you are kind of using the resources of the business. Yeah. Yeah. But the 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 so I was listening to this excellent podcast the other day, and they do, he described because um, they were arguing the whole AI thing, and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll touch on AI in a sec. Um, <laughs> uh, and he said, you know, so human beings are fantastic. This is where AI will never compete, arguably. Um, AI can look at the series of steps that took to get to from A to B to Z, um, uh, but human beings can look backwards and then. In a, in a disconnected way to the logic, create novelty. So, yeah. so, so, so the novel thing only looks logical looking backwards. It's not logical looking forward, whereas AI looks uh, yes. forward. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so that so we 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 we've adapted. Humanity has adapted its thinking to be able to stumble on new ways of doing things that didn't look sensible, that didn't look logical. But mm. but as but when you look at it retrospectively, you think, oh yeah, I see how you got there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is actually a, a fair chunk of sort of patent law and litigation because. In order to qualify as inventive, it needs to be essentially a non-logical leap beyond existing technology. And yes, looking forward, you, your mind is blown. But by the time a court is looking at it and looking backward, mm. it's, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Of course. And it's hard to imagine that you didn't know the outcome already yep. and put yourself sort of back at that time frame. Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, mm. So, so, so from an entrepreneurial point of view, I guess. Uh, you know, I can I can assume what you're doing with regards to your own business. But what are the from a from a you know, the average entrepreneur? Obviously, the the logical you know the the obvious question is when do they come to see you? But also, uh, what what are the what because there's a cost involved, and in, you know the entrepreneur, particularly in that early stage, um, it's kind of you're damned if you don't get in early. It's better to get in early, but it's going to cost you. But if you get in too late, mm. it's going to cost you even more. So, yes, so, so, and none of us have a crystal ball to check <laughs> sort yeah. of what's going to happen and how and when. Yeah. Um, so part of the reason that I started my firm was to make sure that that kind of advice is approachable and affordable because I'm aware of that issue, having dealt with founders for such a long time. What I really like to do is just touch base on as close as I can to day one. Mm-hmm. Quite often, it's I have an idea pre-day one. Sometimes it's, you know, year, year two and it is what it is because then we can have that discussion about what are the types of IP. Here's the seven different types of IP. Based on what you're planning to do, I think there's probably going to be an opportunity for one, two, three or four of those types of IP. You don't need to do a whole lot about them immediately, but I really want to make sure that, that discussion puts sort of red flags in their mind so they know that if it's possible that I'm going to have something that could be the subject of a registered patent or a registered design, the application has to be filed before we send the the product into the market, before we make it available, before there's disclosure that sort of ruins that opportunity. Right. Because if if the horse bolts, then those, I mean, there are some grace periods, but preferably you want to make sure that you'll get your applications filed before you open the gate <laughs> yep. so that they're secured. And that doesn't mean do it now because quite often you still got some tinkering to do. So at least we have a quick, just a initial consultation, run through the types of IP, flag that it might be possible that we need to register a pattern or a design. If that's the case, make a note to circle back when the product's basically complete but hasn't yet been available, made available to the market. And then the others plan for later. So yep. plan for later to do the trademark, plan for later to do contract terms that deal with the IP or user terms for a lot of the apps and, you know, your ELAs sure. for software and those kinds of things. We know we need to do it. We definitely don't need to do it on day one. So I kind of give them a now, later, next sort of yep. set of instructions so they know they've had a discussion, they know when the trigger points are, they need to circle back. And usually by then they've got either capital raised or, you know, there's a change of the financials that makes that more possible. Sure. And I think what occurs to me is that immediately it creates at least a paragraph under IP in your 
in your IM yeah. or your your business plan, right? So when so when the investor, yeah. the prospective investor says, "Hey, have you thought about this?" Well, suddenly you're full bottle, and so we're, yep, we, you know we've got advice on this. We're pretty clear about what our pathways are on our IP, IP, blah 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 blah. Yeah, here it is. Yeah, and then, so yeah. that go tick. Yeah, you know, mm. and you don't just say, "Yeah, we're going to get a patent," <laughs> yeah, because yeah. we now understand that IP is the seven types of rights, and we've got one, three, and a four. Yep. So it's a, it's yeah, it's, I. I think it means they're better positioned to include that in a deck and then to answer questions about it because they've at least had an initial discussion about mm. what is the IP to get that first 101 in their head. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Mm. For sure. The other thing that usually comes up in the initial consult or in early days is structure because mm-hmm. they're always just all trader and setting okay. up a company and it, the constitution, shareholder docs and all that sort of stuff also costs money and not not everything. I like to think everyone's going to go gangbusters and that's certainly how I, I want to be on board and back them as much as I can. But the reality is that a lot of things don't work. So that's another thing where perhaps we don't need to spend a bunch of money incorporating and whatnot on day one, but we just need to know that if we get further enough down the path that we think, oh shit, it's going to work. And we know who the team is and we uh, have dealt with each other sort of long enough now that we're we can simply agree on what the proportions of holdings might be or whatnot. Also add that to list. So just be a sole trader or partnership for now. Do that initial groundwork and then add to the list, create a company. Because you'll need that if you're going to be looking for investors Absolutely. or to access some great programs and things like that. So it'll need to happen, but again, doesn't have to happen on day one. Yeah, absolutely. And the structuring is critical anyway, because particularly if you're going to go to the market for capital, the off-the-shelf, uh, you know, uh, ready ready to go PTYLTD may not be what you need the, in the constitution in terms of how you're going to raise capital. So you do need to get something looked at and say, okay, what's what, yeah. what's going to work? What's going to be the easiest way to to bring in shareholders and to be able to to manage that? And um, mm. yeah, fantastic. Um, so so look at the risk of embarrassing myself. Why did you call your business? What did you call your business? Um, Dribble. Dribble. Dribble so the first part of that you're aware is says drip. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I'm a trademarks attorney and I know the importance of having a unique registrable brand. Right. Um, and the best unique registrable brands are completely made up. Right. So I made it up. It does stand for, I was smooshing letters Dr. together IP. for like two weeks <laughs> trying to create something that was interesting but also sort of pronounceable anyway so donna ray ip law turns into dripple and i felt like i was almost going to be just dripple like share like just madonna i like it um dripple didn't make enough sense so i I added legal to the back of it to be like dripple legal so it's still i like the way it feels in my mouth it's short enough uh, it's got a bit of meaning that makes sense to me but it's completely random and made up and therefore has been trademarked I like it. I like it. Yeah. Uh, There's actually a really good website I sent because I don't know why people assume that trademark attorneys are also great at coming up with names. No, I'm terrible at coming up. Yep. I'm not creative at all. I will just tell you when yours is not good enough. Yep. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the like cranky voice of reason after you've spent days working on a brand. Uh, so I don't have that, but I will usually send people to something like namelix.com to just, just to get some ideas because okay. – you want to make sure that you've got a brand that is unique and protectable so that when it becomes 
big, people know that that's the only source of those types of goods or services. And other people can't use that name because you've trademarked it. They need to use something else. And in order to achieve that, it needs to be completely made up. So don't use Cairns Lawyer. Use Drupal. Okay. <laughs> don't okay. use, you know, a X app. We can't use X. Don't use dog app. Make something up. Yep. Yep. Mm. Um, so, okay, so what, this is, I think, a good point to leave it. Why don't uh, you tell uh, our, our two listeners where they can find Dribble and how they can contact <laughs> you and get some help with their IP? Uh, and by the way, I'll, I'll, I'll be uh, rattling a cage on another matter as well. Uh, <laughs> cool. Um, well, so probably best is Donna at Dribble.com.au. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Donna Patani, or on socials. It's Dribble Legal on X and Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. I tried to grab it in all the places. Jesus. So it's the same handle. Yeah. But I do do most of the work-related blah, blah on LinkedIn. Okay. Because <laughs> it's a work platform. All right. Fantastic. Donna, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this today. Uh, you're going to be the last post before Christmas. So I want to get this done before the end of the week and posted. Um, uh, thank you uh, and uh, have a Merry Christmas and a wonderful 2004 I know you've got some special things uh, happening there and uh, don't don't be a stranger of course not thanks for having me now people have something to escape to when they're at the in-laws for Christmas absolutely <laughs> okay I'll cut that off there <laughs> oh, thanks, that was fantastic um, that was exactly as I expected that was uh, really really good I really appreciate it cool. Um, so I'll um, I'll get that edited and spliced together with all the bits and bobs. Um, I'll flick your link to it. Uh, I'll put it up on yep. Facebook. Uh, sorry, on uh, LinkedIn. Um, I'll uh, yep. I think I can add you on the thing so you can see it. Um, it's yeah, there, I'll, I think you can add Triple Two. Yeah. I, okay. So has that got its own uh, Facebook? Oh, sorry, LinkedIn yeah. page. Okay. On all of them. Yeah. Okay. No worries. Um, add Triple Legal. Yeah. Okay. All right. Take care. Stay safe. Stay stay dry and stay cool. I guess because it's hot up there and it's cool down here. I'm running two air cons at the moment. I could see you. I could see your books. You've got a ceiling fan going there because your books are flashing on and off. So I figured there's a ceiling fan somewhere. Oh yeah, too. Yeah. (laughs) I thought what? What? Hang on. I've got to show you my sound absorption on the floor. Oh god. I threw a blanket and some pillows on the floor just because otherwise the sound gets very bouncy because it's all just tiles and I, I, I get a little bit of it going here. That, you reckon that would work? I might throw, try that too. Just throw like a doona over the bench there or something. Yeah, okay. All right. Might give it a mm. crack. All right, mate. Take care. Talk <laughs> soon. Cool. Thank you. See you later. Bye-bye.